Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture reading this morning is from Deuteronomy chapter 34. You can locate this text on page 191 of your pew Bibles. But before we begin, let us pray. Quiet us, O God. Quiet everything in us so we can hear you. So we can hear the harmonies of hope and the notes of challenge. Quiet us so that we can follow the words and if we cannot follow them, let them follow us. However it happens, let your word and our hearts meet. Quiet us, O Lord, so we have a chance to hear your clanging promise of a brand new day. Amen. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Western Sea, the Negeb and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zor, The Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He was buried in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him, and the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequaled for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land, and for all the mighty deeds and all the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Our second reading comes from the 13th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. It's a familiar parable to you, but let us listen with care for God's Word for us. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grains, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let, it, let anyone with ears listen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So if someone approached you and said, hey, you, you go to village, tell me about village church. What would you say? Someone said, tell me about your church. What, what would you say? Would you talk about these musicians who lift our souls to the heavens every week? Would you talk about our signature mission, Thelma's Kitchen, where the whole city, regardless of class or status, gathers at table? Would you talk about our first decision mission, the Kansas and Missouri Mental Health Initiative, bringing mental health resources to needed areas? Or maybe you'd talk about our practice of friendship. You can find it in these hallways or Wednesday night dinners or in Stephen Ministry. Would you talk about the children who are baptized here and cared for downstairs in the nursery? Would you talk about our youth who spend their spring break on the mission trip in the Dominican Republic? Maybe you'd mention that in an age where a lot of young adults don't attend church. We have a vibrant and honest ministry with young adults here at Village. Maybe you'd talk about we're one congregation that worships in two locations. Maybe you would talk about the food pantry Thanksgiving baskets that are being prepared that those in need will have a day of celebration as they should. Or would you say, you know, Village is just a collection of ordinary people who care about each other and are doing our best to live toward God's promised day. It's a day we've never seen, but a day in a day that's almost impossible to imagine, but it's a day we trust, for it is the work of God's undying love, and we base our lives on it. If someone asked you, what would you say? I'll come back to that. First, Moses... Moses preached a long sermon before the people left the wilderness and entered the promised land. The sermon is the entire book of Deuteronomy. Just read that this afternoon. You think I preach long. Just read that. 
The people crossed over into the promised land, but not Moses. He dies at the edge of the land, but before he dies, God leads him up Mount Nebo so that he can see the whole land. From Dan to Beersheba, he sees the whole land that God had promised. It had to be a sweet moment because his whole life, Moses had been living toward that promised land. His whole life, he had been leading a people who grumbled and murmured. Now, admittedly, they grumbled because they didn't have things like food, water. They weren't Presbyterian. We grumble when we don't have the right condiments. After, after Moses spends a lifetime as a scout leader in an unending wilderness camp out, every day saying to the people, it's out there. The land is out there. God has promised it's out there. We will find it someday. After a lifetime of that, God drags Moses up Mount Nebo and says, look, there it is. Everything I promised you is true. It's all there. Everything you based your life on, it's all true. Moses got a glimpse of the promise of God. I don't know about you, but that is the reason I invest in the ministry of the church. Because every now and then, not all the time, but every now and then, we get a glimpse of that day that we're basing our lives on. Sometimes it happens to me right here in worship. Sometimes it, surprisingly enough, can happen actually in a committee meeting. Sometimes it happens when I see you engage in the mission you do. It happened once just kicking a kickball with an eight-year-old in Thawake, Kenya. And I feel like the ground I'm standing on opens away, and I find my feet firmly planted on Nebo, and I feel like God whispers to me, there it is, everything I've promised you, it's all true. I bet you've had that experience from time to time. Moses called it a promised land. Jesus called it the kingdom of heaven. We speak of it as the promised day here. It is when justice rolls down like waters. It is when swords are beaten into plowshares. It is a promised day when the grumbling noises of empty bellies are replaced with songs of table blessings. It is that day when our children will grow up to be neither the destroyers nor the destroyed. It is a day when everything that has gone wrong will be healed and made right. We've never seen that day. We don't live in that day. But once in a blue moon, you might find yourself standing on Nebo and getting a glimpse, and God whispers in your ear, see, it's all true. Everything I promised you is true. I, I think life in church is like that. It's based on glimpses, on Fragile moments, here and there. Every day we live toward this day we've never known, that we trust is out there, and now and then we get a glimpse. But we should be honest. Seldom are those glimpses overpowering. The glimpses of God's promised day are always the result of acts of love. And love is a power 
But admittedly, it is a fragile power. Love is a strength, but it is a vulnerable strength. And her victories are often modest. The parable of the sower is told in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke. Lately, I've been drawn to Matthew's telling, which sounds kind of silly because it's identical to the other tellings with one change. Uh, When Mark told the parable, he wrote down the parable, he was the first to do it. He he got to the good soil. You know, it's kind of a silly parable. It's about a a sower who's obviously paid for distribution, not for harvest. Just throws the seed everywhere, just anywhere and everywhere. doesn't matter. It's kind of a ridiculous theory of agriculture. Throws the seed everywhere. Some of it falls on good soil, and Mark says it produces bumper crop 30, 60, 100-fold. Matthew reads that. It's the same sower. It's the same seed. It goes all the same places. But when it falls on the good soil, Matthew reverses it. It's 160, 30. If I understand the text, in that small little change, I think Matthew invites us to pay attention to small victories to subtle movement, to more modest harvest. Ministry is the work of love, but the victories of love are often modest, aren't they? Reinhold Niebuhr says, nothing that is really worth doing can be accomplished in our lifetime. So we must be saved by hope. I understand that. Time has taught me that ministry is seldom 30, 60, 100. It's often 100, 60, 30, 10, 5. There are amazing things that happen through you, village. Sometimes hundredfold. Sometimes the redemptive work of God is so palpable it captures everyone in the room. And yet often it's more modest than that. Jesus is Lord, but like him, we too live in Herod's world. You know, for over 70 years, For over 70 years, we here at Village have endeavored to be a place where all are welcome. And and I'll admit to you my naivete, there have been times when I have assumed that we as a culture at least agreed on the direction in which we would be living toward the inclusion of all people as being human beings. But even this day, some of our neighbors, humanity is reduced to being an agenda. But not here. For over 70 years, We've endeavored to be a people and a place where the humanity of everyone is celebrated. In a world where the climate threatens with storm and fire and flood, we strive to pay attention to our impact on this environment. In a city where gun violence is common and too many children fail to read at grade level, and the gap 
between those who will never have enough and those who can't help but get more is, is extreme. You continue to engage in ministries of justice and compassion every single day. Just yesterday, a friend was talking about the Habitat for Humanity group that, that builds houses in this community, and he spoke with emotion. He spoke with emotion of the last house blessing. The house was finished, and the family gathers, and there was a Congolese mom with a room full of children, and they moved into their first home, and she told them that the first thing she wanted to do was to invite her neighbors for coffee and Bible study. And some thought they were standing in KCK, but if you ask me, it was pretty clear they were standing on Nebo. And God was whispering, there it is. Everything I promised you, it's all true. Now and then, if we have eyes to see, God gives us a glimpse of that day toward which we're building our lives. And, but still, when I look at the world in which you and I live, when I look at the needs of the world in which you and I live, and I look at the resources which we have, I feel small. Do you know what I'm talking about? I can feel hopeless. What can we do? It's hard to imagine that we as a church, even village church, can really change things. I think Matthew could relate. If I understand the text, Jesus tells us, trust the seed. Throw the seed anywhere, everywhere. Trust the seed. It is, it is the gospel seed. It will not always work. Trust the seed. The seed that you and I are called to sow is love. And love is a power. It is admittedly a fragile power. It is a vulnerable strength. And her victories are often modest. Because God is not only exceedingly patient, but because God is faithful, love will win. That is the hope that saves us, and that hope is what calls us to do the good that is ours to do, to share the love that is ours to share, and let God do with that what God will do. So if someone asks you, who are you at Village? We might say, you know, we're just ordinary folk who do our best to trust that seed of love, keep trusting that holy love. We, we're just doing the good that is ours to do. We're sharing the love that is ours to share. But I'll tell you, here and there, now and then, we have found our feet planted on Nebo, and we've gotten a glimpse of that holy promise that God says is waiting for us. Ryan old neighbor said, nothing worth doing can be achieved in a single lifetime. Our dreams are bigger than that. Our calling is bigger than that. So we are saved by hope. Hope is what causes the sower to sow. Hope is what causes the Christian to love. 
Yesterday, the session welcomed our newly elected officers, officers you elected in September. Espy Lemon is a youth elder. She's a sophomore in high school, and she shared in that meeting some of her own faith journey. She shared of an encounter she had while she was on a mission trip in the Dominican Republic. Part of our mission there is to provide eyeglasses, just eyeglasses, because Many people in the Batays just don't have access to simple eyeglasses. So all day long, they have a collection of different prescriptions here. Try these on. Read, read the page. Not so good. Okay, try these. Read, no, not so good. Try one more. Oh, there it is. As we said, she was deep in that process with an older man. She said he was an old man, so I think he was probably my age. <laughs> After many attempts, he put on a pair of glasses and she held up the page, and he couldn't read it because he had tears in his eyes. And he said, thank you, thank you, thank God, thank you, I can see. Now, she said, I wasn't really thinking about it. But you know, if you do a little good, you never know what might happen. We do the good that is ours to do and trust God to do with that what God will. Whatever reason you may have to support this ministry, know that your gift is doing more than supporting a ministry. It's making it possible for here and there, now and then, for God's people to stand on Nebo and get a glimpse of that holy right day toward which we are all living, you are investing hope into a world that desperately needs it. And you never know the change that might occur. I read that for about 70 years in Yellowstone National Park, the park had intentionally removed the presence of wolves from the park. And one of the consequences of removing wolves from Yellowstone is the deer in the park uh, grew un unchecked. And so after 70 years, in 1995, about 30 wolves were reintroduced into that expansive park. The results were were extraordinary and unanticipated. Not only did wolves hunt the deer, but it changed the patterns of the way the deer lived in the park. In other words, they avoided places where they could be easily hunted, fields and valleys and gorges. And as a result, where before they had just nibbled everything in those places down to the ground, the vegetation in those places began to regenerate. Not just grasses, but, but shrubbery and even trees. They say in the first 10 years, some trees quintupled in size. As a result of the increased vegetation and, and, and the creation of forest, of aspen, willow, cottonwood, as a result, birds began to return to the park, and, and beavers attracted to the presence of the trees, and, and the dams that the beavers would build created ponds, which meant there were more fish and otters and muskrats, which then brought more eagles and hawks and, and 
most dramatically of all, it changed the flow of the river. Because when the banks became seeded with vegetation that could hold the banks, the flow of the river became more certain and clear, the pathway solidified. It changed a whole ecosystem because someone placed 30 wolves in that expansive park. Jesus told us, trust the seed. He's trying to change the ecosystem. He's trying to redeem the whole world, so he begs of us, trust the seed. Sow the power of love anywhere, everywhere. There is no circumstance where it is not appropriate. It will not always work. It just won't. But you never know. Here and there, now and then, there's bumper crop. And God can use the good you do to change everything. So if someone asked you, tell me about village, what would you say? Maybe you would tell them it's a place where people are cared for. Or perhaps you would say it's a place where in a culture of deceit, people endeavor to be honest. Or maybe you would tell them it's a community that celebrates beauty in the midst of brokenness. Or maybe you would tell them it is a community that is being saved by hope. For we're living toward a promised day. A day when all that has gone wrong is made right. A day when justice rolls down like waters. A day when all of God's children are treated as God's children. I know the needs of this world are overwhelming. And our capacities feel small. For our only power is love, and love is a power, but it's a fragile power. But sow it everywhere, sow it anywhere. Village, keep on sowing that seed of love. Keep on trusting that holy love. Let us do the good that is ours to do. And here and there, now and then, I promise you, you will find your feet firmly planted on Nebo, and God will be whispering in your ear, there it is. Everything I promised you, it's all true. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.